0: Sponsored by the Dunleer laoghaire Local Enterprise Office. You're listening to Business Eye on Dublin South FM.
1: And welcome folks to Business Eye. Do I say it, Simon? Another week in lockdown. How many? I, keep, I just keep on. I'm just going to keep on going. Another week, another week, another week, another week, yeah, another yeah. week in lockdown. It's, it's, it's getting more bizarre. But... Hopefully we are coming to the end. Um, I have friends who have already are looking online to book their holidays in June, July. They says the first thing they're going to be doing is getting out of this country. Um, so we're we're looking looking that way as well. So what about yourself, Simon? Yeah.
2: Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's about weak for 627 at this point. But uh, no, I think you're right. I think there's a bit of optimism coming back, you know, and uh, spring's here. And yeah, I mean, I'd love to get back over to the UK. I'm hoping June, July, because to see my father. So, um, yeah, I, I think we just need to be we need to keep it together, Joe. You know, we need to keep it together.
1: Yeah, I do. I think that the one thing, I was drinking my coffee this morning and I was shaking my head about this whole cancel culture and coming out of America where, where the Washington Redskins are no longer the Redskins and they are uh, doing away with cheerleaders because of the cancel cancel culture. So I was kind of scratching my head and that and going, where is the world going? Where is the world going indeed? I need
2: to change my name to Simone, Joe. Simone. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Get that rugby ball out, but we won't <laughs> talk about sport because one of our guests will just slag us an awful lot. And talking about that, our first guest today, Pat Lucy. Pat Lucy is the co-founder of Aspara, a consulting and enterprise IT service company. Aspara specialises in IT, telecoms, medical, financial, and energy sectors, with bases in Europe, Asia, and the Middle East. With over 20 years experience in managing large scale product development, he also provides product management consultancy for internationally to Fortune 500 companies and public bodies.
2: Pat, welcome to the show. And our second guest is uh, Ben Wainwright, Ben's co-founder and CTO of Abadu a technology platform providing tools to support the change of work with a vision to enable every human on this planet the opportunity to work upskill while positively impacting climate change. Ben, you're a tech entrepreneur with experience in leading global remote tech teams, co-working international remote matching models in technology. And your mission is to work with ideas, resources, energy, and creativity to build and achieve sustainable future and helping others welcome ben
1: one of the things we were asked is on guys because we know that this year and last year there was a lot to do with business adoption and especially with companies growing profit and before i was coming on the show i just took a note about something and we know that it can take a company between realistically five to ten years to really get the ball rolling and to be stable and make a good profit do you think this year or last year has stopped the growth of new companies coming on board into the marketplace? I think the
3: answer is yes and no, Joe. So there, I'll I'll get splinters from sitting on that fence. Um, I think for new entries, much like existing and stable companies, it all depends on which sector you're in. So it's not due to any great strategy or intelligence or, uh, brilliance and execution, it depends on luck for the last year as to whether your your company has grown or not. So if I take my company, we're, um, we're a technology company. We deliver projects across multiple sectors. Some of the sectors we're working in have been decimated because of the changes last year, like aeronautics, aviation, aviation. Um, some elements of retail have been decimated. Some sectors we work in have just taken off, like wildfire, like pharmaceutical companies. Uh, other elements of retail have taken off. Um, e-business, et cetera, has really driven. So overall, we've been up. Last year was our best year on record, and we're expecting to exceed that again this year. But I can't say that's because I had some great vision of, of how to build a business that would survive a pandemic. That was the last thing on my mind. Um, and I think that there is lots of opportunity. Right now, as we look at the way our lives have changed and are changing, I mean, if right now we're using Zoom to have this call, if if I had the foresight to buy some shares in Zoom a few years ago, I'd yeah. probably be lying on a beach right now if there was one within 5K. Um, You'd make so a beach, man. <laughs> so I think that there still is loads of opportunity for people to set up a business um, if it's in an area that that there's going to be forthcoming demand. Yeah. Um, so in that sense, it hasn't changed. You have to look at the, is there a gap in the market and is there a market in the gap? They're the two key, key questions.
0: I think Pat said it really well, um, and, I, and I agree. Um, you know, what you do find when something, we, we've never really experienced something of this magnitude, right? So it's 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 been an exercise in seeing how do people um, respond to it? Uh, and what was the first thing that you kind of saw people responding to? All of a sudden you saw like this, mass deluge of masks uh, being produced and hand washes being produced at extortionate prices and everyone tries to jump on the bandwagon you're always going to have that sort of mix of groups who who are looking for the quick buck then you have other companies that are more established and they're just literally looking to survive and how do they get through this how do they respond to it and then you have the young burgeoning companies who maybe had a little bit of a head start in already looking at running their company remotely and with as little overheads as possible, um, and particularly in the technology sector, obviously with those low overheads, and if they're working on say digital products, subscription products, um, a little bit easier for them to sort of pivot and, and navigate through the crisis. So uh, I, I certainly think there's been a huge mix uh, in terms of the, the response to
2: it. Well, one thing Ben that I'm that I'm really interested in is the whole area of transformation in industry, and mm. you know, returning to the office should, but probably shouldn't just be a matter of simply opening the door. Surely companies need to be thinking systematically about how they, you know, how workplace design and the whole commuting thing and how they look at training development and knowledge management. It's a huge area, right? And I'd imagine there's a whole spectrum of companies. Some are really looking at it deeply. Some are just trying to pretend it goes away. But what's your thoughts about this as an opportunity for companies to really redesign everything from ground up?
0: Um, I think it'll be interesting to obviously get everyone's opinion here, because from my point of view, I kind of look at it from a, uh, from a, a humanistic point of view and then sort of at a, a company level. So if you think about it, people are just literally looking to survive in, that, in the early crisis period. What do we need to do to just keep going? Uh, and then afterwards, you get this point where either there has been this huge transformation um, at, at a, both a corporate level, but at a personal level. Um, And then you'll have those that really don't want to see the change, you know, the change is too difficult, let's revert back to what we had, it worked for us then, it'll work for us again. So you'll find that there will be this disparity between, you know, one one company versus the next. I personally believe, and I always have, I've never, uh, it's never been a secret that I'm a huge advocate of hybrid working, so the mixture of being remote, and also being able to connect with people, you know, physically in offices and different environments. Um, I think for companies to truly progress and grow, they're gonna have to adopt that kind of strategy. I think that's the healthiest sort of viewpoint that they could be taking right now.
3: So I I guess I have to admit to not being like Ben on this one. So if I go back 12 months, I wasn't a fan of homeworking, particularly for project managers. My belief was project managers needed to be out there in amongst the team, you know, patting backs or, or, giving the occasional kick if needed to make sure stuff got done. I didn't think that a project manager could run a project successfully while working remotely. And I was wrong. Okay. So thankfully, I'm happy to say that I was wrong because, um, you know, almost a year ago, all our staff moved to working from home and, I would um, divide our staff into those who are solar powered and those who are battery powered. So the solar powered are the extroverts, the people who need to be out there and in the dealing with people and getting their energy from outside. Whereas the battery powered are the more uh, self-sustaining introvert types who are quite happy to be left to their own thoughts and devices. And a lot of our techies would be like that, whereas a lot of our project managers would be more out and about, you know, slapping backs and, and shaking hands. So they that the second group did find it harder, you know, but um, certainly they, they've all been able to work successfully. And I think we're, there's no going back. Um, when we do go back, it will be to a hybrid working arrangement and we'll be spending time Partially working remotely, partially working in the office and trying to get the best of both.
1: I think everyone is either working from home and they've come either sick from working at home because of just the environment that it's in. Eat cake all day. Cake gets very boring. It's that hybrid that people will want to do one week off or one week on or three weeks off, three weeks on. So I think that's a good thing. I think it'll it'll help people connect more with their families, being honest some of my clients that I'm speaking to, they've realized that they like yourself, Pat, they can um work from home. They've they've saved themselves multiple hours a week from driving in the car all over the country and they're getting more work done. And they found that this last year was a better year than before when they take out all their travel expenses as well out of it. So when you're looking at your profits and loss, they've known that it's a better year. At first, I think everybody will, and Pat, I'll, I'll direct this to you because you do have large teams. At first, I feel everybody will want to just get back into the office. And then after a while, they'll sort of kind of go, well, you know, I would rather have a couple of weeks off and a couple of weeks on. Is that the case or do do they all just want to stay at home? No, no that's, that's exactly the so
3: case. It. So we've surveyed our staff and um, I, I think it was 5% of them said, they wanted to be five days a week in the office. The other ninety-five percent said they wanted to be split, with the vast majority wanting to work maybe two days in the office, three days from home, type of thing. So we've acted upon that. We we've our our main HQ down in Cork. Um we're we're relocating, we're moving into slightly smaller office, but that's being designed right now specifically for the hybrid workforce. So we're going to have people who can come in and use desk use an office when they're in the office. But the assumption is they won't be there 60% of the time. and by by doing it in an inclusive manner, it's helped. You know, everybody realizes that life is going to be different now, and it. I think it can be better. Like you've just said I don't have to go through the tunnel every every morning right now in Cork and face that. Now my my I get tied up on Teams calls rather than getting tied up in traffic jams, and uh, it's a more comfortable experience.
2: Because yeah. so, I because I hear a lot that this doesn't suit the younger generation because in my, you know my daughter's 22 and she's just started an internship, and I hear a lot about you know the younger generation. How are they going to get the knowledge from the older generation if they're not in the office, right? But is the younger generation really suffering by being disconnected, or are they finding their own way of dealing with this in a way that old guys like me have no idea about? Are you seeing a breakdown in demographics of the people who enjoy remote working against who don't enjoy, or are you seeing a blend?
0: Well, we haven't discussed our ages on this call, so I'm not sure what quantifies as young or old. Where where are we all fit in with that? You're, you're <laughs> young. You're I'm younger old. than Joe and I. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I would say that. Like, I mean, you know, obviously I can't speak for the masses here, but from what we've seen, um, it, there's a couple of points to that. Firstly, just going back to to Pat, you know, a testament to you, Pat, for for your organisation and how everyone's been able to work successfully remotely because. Um, you wouldn't necessarily find that in every company. And I think, you know, part of that is about the culture of the company and the communication within the company that people feel that they can still be pro- productive at those levels that they need to be working remotely. Um, so, you know, that's part of the piece. So if you're already embedded in a company, if you're young, um, look, sure, if the rug's been pulled from under you and you, you were feeling like the sort of the dynamic traveling to work, being in the city, meeting up with friends afterwards was all part of the whole flavor of why you were doing what you were doing in the first place. And that's suddenly been taken away. Um, of course, there's going to be a, a, a degree of suffering, but you've got to put that suffering in perspective, right? You know, what, what is it What is it outweighing? Uh, the fact that you're able to work from home or from different environments, people who house share, you know, they've got more time together. They're still surrounded by their peers. There's still communication going on with, with the platforms that everybody's using, you know, depending on the generations that are using them. So I don't think... I don't think long term there's going to be a huge problem here. I do worry from the education side, initially, how long this was going to go on for, particularly having young kids ourselves. I saw firsthand, you know, particularly with our um, six-year-old, you know, there was there was a, a slide, there was a, a drop-off there where she was really accelerating her learning at school and then suddenly were pulled into this sort of virtual environment. It's not so cohesive for, for kids of that age. Um, but for the older ones who are sort of getting into employment, I think... There's a degree of peer-to-peer engagement that will keep them going, keep them striving, keep them thriving. Um, but they they will always need to have some sort of proximity to to the organisation, to to the uh, the management level in the organisation. It's to
1: get them that motivation as well, and yeah. that's why they have to be around their peers to get that slap in the back and and to learn from their mistakes. I know people who left jobs in the suburbs of Dublin and wanted to get jobs in the city. The reason is because of the social life in the city on the weekends after it. So there, there's those elements. And with people hybrid working at home, it's all to do with the environment. We have the facilities. We're old enough to have those houses. There's people out there who want to work for home, but the house that they live in, the environment that they live in, can't, can't enable that to happen mm-hmm. on it as well. Are you finding then, Ben, that, you know, with this decision, there, is it going to be a cost element or a loss of revenue because people are downsizing their businesses? So, Pat, for example, for yourself, you're going to probably reduce your offices. So that's going to be vacant offices. The fallout on that is the vendors, the people that supply you with office equipment, the the, the lady around the corner that has the cafe. Are these all the ones that are going to suffer from the downsizing within the market?
3: Uh, There is going to be a knock-on impact. So in our case, we're moving from... I'd say the suburbs uh, of course into the cork city center so we're moving slap bang into the middle of the city into the new building there so we're not saving any money directly because uh, we'll be spending more on our our rent and rates than than we have been in the the outskirts of cork but yeah the local businesses will will see suffer there'll be a transfer of spend from the the suburbs into the city center in this case and i think there is going to be a knock on effect now if if you talk to estate agents They will always tell you that everything is rosy and there's tremendous demand everywhere. But the reality is that there is going to be a shift in the demand for business. So uh, companies that have very large scale premises and a mobile workforce, they're not going to need all that space. So it might take, you know, a few months or a few years, but we will see a change in that demographic. Definitely.
2: Yeah, I do wonder. Like, I mean, I, I walk around Dublin most nights with my wife, and I look at all these shiny, you know, the big tech companies and the huge, great offices. Some of them are less than five years old. And Ben, I do wonder whether those offices will ever be full again. You know, um, it's just—it just seems to be—it just seems to be a huge change that's coming. And I—I I wonder. Maybe this is the question: Are we under-anticipating the change that's coming? Because it's comfortable not to scare yourself with. Thoughts of too much change, or, or alternatively,
0: is everything going to be okay? Or what do you think, Ben? <laughs> I think it's it, you know it's gradual. I don't think it's going to be like this huge catastrophic impact immediately. Um, with with regards to that, however, this is what we see that for a, for a young company. When we set up, we were one hundred percent virtual from the outset, so we never had to think about overheads. We never had to think about leases, etc. The companies, are, we, we've just recently launched a new product called Yonder Desk, which is virtual real estate. And the companies that are coming to us to use Yonder Desk um, are telling us that they are letting their leases go on their physical premises. They're going into these virtual models, they're allowing their people to connect virtually. Um, The virtual real estate is where you've got a visual floor plan so you can connect from home and you can see your colleagues online in these uh, floor plans like office floor plans and be able to connect with them quickly and easily. So companies are finding like this is this is a great way for us to save a huge amount of cash, but still look at ways that we can use the modern technology now to keep people connected, because that's the big thing. How if you're going to do this, how do you keep them connected? And then going on to your other point about like, the physical real estate, I think that's such an intriguing um, dilemma that we have now. You know, what is that landscape going to look like in a few years' time? Um, you know, we'll, I, I, I've no doubt we'll find innovative methods for how we will use any of those spaces that have been given up, um, and I'd love to see those spaces being used for something so much more productive. Um, and sort of giving back to to local communities, maybe helping more on the, the homeless side. You know, That's there are things yeah. that we could be doing in a really positive way. with What the light is of that?
1: Like yeah. with a lot of a lot of those offices, will they actually turn into apartments and sort of help the the housing crisis within within each county as well? So hopefully that will happen on it. But if you have large teams working at home, and we're talking about some people need motivation and need watching. How do you motivate those people? How do you know that those people are doing the job that they were doing when they were in the work? How are you monitoring them, Pat? So I suppose it's all down to the
3: culture of the company. And my approach has always been I don't really care if somebody is putting in eight hours or seven hours or nine hours. What I care is that they get the job done and that the outcome are so achieved so the way we try to manage our people is by number one having trust in them right? trust in their professionalism uh, and number two we measure based on output based on outcome you know has the job been done if so i'm perfectly happy if someone did it in half the time and and managed to catch up on their fifa skills in the other half we've actually found of our our team we've probably found that 10 percent are not doing as much uh, or as many hours as they used to do in the office. And we found 10% more are doing too many hours because you no longer have that that bridge, that gap between, you know, the commute home to separate work from from home. So some people our challenge is actually getting them to stop working and to, to switch off and and recharge. So everybody is is motivated differently. Um you can't just assume that everybody will uh, you know skive off and do as little as possible and i've seen in different companies that we deal with a huge difference that the companies who have a culture of trust and empowerment of staff have really tackled the the home working much better than the companies where the atmosphere is of distrust and you must come in so i can see that you've got the job done um, it's much harder for those companies to to deal with this kind of change but Thankfully, we're I guess we're we're a young enough and often tech savvy company, um, and also we were lucky in that we decided all our systems, our IT systems, would all be in the cloud. So as long as you've got good uh, internet access, good broadband, it doesn't matter where you are in the world you know, we can work. So that's been the key thing. We found that people living somewhere in the, the bottom of a valley who can't get an internet connection, that's been the biggest problem for us. Yeah, making yeah. sure that those people can work. You Rest gave them.
2: me a bit of a giggle there. You gave me a giggle there when you mentioned people shouldn't be judged on their time and you should be trust. As an ex-lawyer, you made me think maybe lawyers should stop charging on time and just start <laughs> charging on quality. But anyway, that's the side. That's the side. That's a, side, <laughs> well, that's a challenge.
1: No it, full no
3: fee,
2: I think.
1: Right? I, I think it, it, that's quite interesting as well, and especially with myself and Ben, <laughs> who we live outside Dublin in rural areas. And what I noticed that to get the Wi-Fi up to the speed that I needed to to conduct, conduct business, I changed three providers in yeah. a matter of about six months like we went from satellite and then we went to air um and then eventually we went to vodafone and but it, this was a cost element you know when you're speaking to the person on the sales oh we're brilliant we do this yeah and then when you get it in it goes uh, uh, wow. um, and that was one of the major like it took us six months to actually just get the right wi-fi which is is huge when when it comes to the to running your business as well on it. Yeah. yeah.
2: What about the whole area of skills? So the World Economic Forum has just recently said that, as a result of this, or well, before even this this pandemic, but as a result, something like half of the employees globally will need to reskill or upskill because of all the new dynamics that are coming in. What do you think in terms of skills, Ben, you know, what, what kind of new skills, whether it's soft skills or power skills or communication skills, do you see that would need to be improved going forward or changed?
0: Well, you know, when we set up Abode, Abode was all about uh, the merit of skills, versus anything else that a person had. Um, so their profiles were all about being anonymized. You get matched the job opportunities. So it was first and foremost, are you the right fit at a skill level for the opportunity that's available, wherever the opportunity is. It was all about remote opportunity. So you know that was the that was the first thing and and, and you know what we've seen is like the hard skills, hard skills can be taught. It's it's the foundation of the person that you're bringing in, it's the DNA, it's the um it's the characteristics that, that person is bringing to the table and, and from a, going back to what Pat was saying you know in terms of um, how, how you make this whole process work, how you uh, how you get your employees to stay motivated you know fundamentally you've got to be hiring the right people in the first place. Um, so first of all you've got to get the right people in and I think fundamentally that has to be what the personality type um, the soft skills can't really be taught right they, they're just inherited that's what they are that, that's you. Um, the hard skills can be kind of layered on top of that. So you've, you've got that aspect of it. So um, what I think is going to happen as we move forward, and I'm already seeing trickles of this happening now, is that there's going to be much more of a focus on the soft skill elements. Um, and the people within a company, you know, how can they sidestep into other opportunities? Again, what soft skills do they have? How transferable is the person and the personality into other aspects of the organization? Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, before lockdown, that was the way when hiring people, we looked for those skills. You know, you always fingers crossed six months to see if someone is a right fit for the job. I think lockdown and working from home, those six months, will that be shorter or longer to see if the person is the right mix?
0: Well, you know, just to jump in on that, like what's happened certainly within the last couple of years is the behavioural assessments have really accelerated in terms of the accuracy so now you're able to do a real, um, a fairly intensive profile assessment of somebody um, fairly quickly to be able to see what attributes that person carries. So it's not just now down to a job interview, a couple of Zoom calls, and then bringing somebody in hoping for the best. You know, you can really get granular detail on, on that person um, to help you make sure that they, they fit right into the organisation. You know, where, where are they best placed? Where are they going to really shine? There's no point bringing obviously somebody in and sticking them in the wrong, you know, the wrong shape and the wrong hole. Um, you really want people to excel, so you need to put them where they're best placed. And, and the behavioural assessment side, the psychometric side, I'm seeing big increases in that for sure. Guys,
1: we're going to take a quick break and we'll be
0: right back. Sponsored by the Dunleary Laoghaire Local Enterprise Office. You're listening to Business Eye on Dublin South FM.
2: Welcome back. And uh, so we, we, during the break, we were just having a really interesting chat about, you know, the whole area of soft skills and uh, power skills. and. You know, we're here with Pat Lucy and Ben Wainwright. Maybe Pat, you know, the whole area of skills and you know, and and soft skills and 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 how you know Joe was saying, you know, he had a worry about if we just rely on criterion like the sort of skills that you have, but don't look at things like innate drive and ambition, which you can't really tell on a criterion sheet. Would you have worries about this that we could become too robotic in our recruitment? processes by just looking at criteria and not allowing people just to to be and and exist and prove themselves
3: so i think that as as ben mentions the the whole uh, psychometric profiling and you know competency assessments methodologies have really improved over the years so it can do a lot of that it can help you a lot but i suppose for me in nothing beats working with a person. So no matter how well they may complete a survey or do an interview, it's people that I have soldiered alongside and seen how they behave when, when the chips are down. Um, that's what really helps me determine the level of drive and determination and resilience that people have. And I found that people with resilience have really been the ones to, to stand out over the past year um and again it's it, it's difficult to to demonstrate it until you need to yeah so hopefully we won't we won't have to put anybody through the, the ringer uh in the in an interview process to figure out how much resilience they have but in terms of soft skills i would say you know the ability to influence it has changed like being able to influence people now how do you influence people remotely how do you you access that so as I've spoken with you before about my work with the Project Management Institute and last year we we didn't hold our annual conference because of that we we said we'd wait and people could come back together again Well, we've decided to stop waiting and the, the the 2021 conference is next week uh Thursday next week and we're doing it virtually so we've had to really figure out uh creative ways to allow people to network Um, virtually to speed date virtually to meet each other as well as attend the different talks and we've lined up uh, an interesting after event party where we're going to send out some little nibbles and uh, let people interact socially as well because I think you know and the same with the question earlier about the younger people I don't think they'll suffer that much in work context, I think it's the social context that we all really miss. So able to find a way of interacting and chatting and uh, shooting the breeze with people, that's the thing I miss most of all. So getting to participate in the conference next week will, will give me that chance to do it. It's, I'm looking yeah, forward to
1: it. The joking and the laughing and, you know, it's, as, mm. as I've said to Simon on many occasions, we've all forgot to belly laugh. You know? Yeah, yeah. i yeah, like it. Yeah, we, yeah. We, we're, we're locked in our pods. Yeah. yeah. Um, and profits are being made and companies are flowing. But we've, you know, we're we're forgetting fun. That's, that's yeah. it. it.
2: It's, it's funny, you know, I mean, I, I started to work in, in London and, you know, it was just tradition. I mean, London was extreme, but most lunchtimes you go to the pub or the wine bar and pretty much every evening. And you, you just wonder how that whole, I mean, you know, in the city of London, there's thousands, tens of thousands of cafes, wine bars, pubs. What's going to happen to them you know the whole ecosystem is just what do you think ben i mean it's not so much the companies the mainstream companies it's the support networks yeah. where do you see that going in cities just in cities well just generally but i'm thinking yeah. big cities like you know i mean particularly london because i think london's been really hit but but also dublin and and you know cork and galway what what do you and, and Limerick, what do you see is happening to those support industries and the wine bars and the cafes and and, you know, the, whatever, you know, it's just there's such a knock on
0: effect. It is. Yeah, there's definitely a worry for those those small businesses that, you know, they're sustained by the companies around them. Um, and, you know, just going back to what I was listening to there. Like even what we're doing now, you know, we've we've become reliant on having these two dimensional interactions and and relationships. And there's a certain degree of skills that are required for that as well. One of the big things I've seen is um, listening. You know, if you're on a Zoom call with somebody, are they really engaged with what you're saying or are they navigating around their screen, you know, the stuff? Like, it's amazing how a little attention span people have these days with this, right? It's just, that's part and parcel of, of how, how it's all functioning, right? But look, that's that's the way it is. So I think, like, that, there's that side of it. Um, that, and I've seen people have exhaustion because then you have your social catch-ups and they're still in a two-dimensional capacity. So you're like, there has to be this, this area where you've got this hybrid... Ability to at least have some physical proximity somewhere else, and I've forgotten the smell of a pub. You know, yeah, thing, yeah, yeah, yeah walk yeah. in and bump shoulders with somebody else. I, I, yeah. I miss that. And I'm, I'm naturally an introverted person. You know, I find too much physical interaction at times. You know, for someone like me, it gets a little bit exhausting. Right, I need a lot of space to be creative and a lot of downtime. But I still crave being able to get into a small pub somewhere yeah. and just yeah. have a chat. You know, so. I think that drive and that inclination that people have and that want and that need will help some businesses. Some businesses are going to die. You know, that's inevitable. They have, they will. Some are going to keep going. Um, I think the rural communities, the local communities, we can help those be sustainable. We can help grow those by supporting them. We're working from home. Support your little town. Go into your town when it's, when it's safe to do so again you know, let's have those drinks together again. Maybe the pubs that we didn't go to before. Maybe we pass them by because we're too busy thinking about getting to somewhere else. Yeah, You know, so I, there is a way. I
1: Unfortunately, like if myself and Simon went to a pub and to sit down, we'd be just the only sober people at the end of the pub because <laughs> we don't drink. No. But, but there's one thing as well. I think. If, if I had a club, what would I do? I know that the young people, when this all sort of changes, hopefully now in June, July, will be rushing back to the, the pubs. I think I'd set up a nightclub for the over 50s because it would be <laughs> jammed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we, you know, play the old music of the 70s and 80s. And, it, it, you know, we were
2: delighted with it. You need that to bring we, the old dance halls back, Joe. That, yeah.
1: But yeah, no, it, I think it's, I think the whole thing from a perspective point of view, we are learning. I think it's an open book for all of us and all the companies out there. Pat, I'm going to jump back to something that you said earlier there earlier on. Um, some people can't switch off. And that is a worry as well, because those people that can't switch off then develop anxiety. You know, there is people that are in the work environment who think they're going to get fired, even though they're not. They have this mental attitude. If they don't do the work, they fear they're going to get fired and they work all hours that God's sends how's that how's the, the the mental toughness within the environment out there with covid and with the you know the mask wearing and people for and against how's the, the that mental um ability with people out there so, so i think it's
3: there's there's a, a keg of gunpowder there and the fuse has been lit right because people have a certain amount of resilience but it's you know it doesn't last forever And those people who are at the moment, you know, putting in too much effort, burning themselves out, the time will come when they just physically can't do it anymore. Um, And I see that. I think a lot of multinationals uh, are very supportive and very helpful to people, um, but they might not have that visibility that some people keep going after hours and on weekends and, you know, can't switch off. So, we've got to look for ways to to give those people an outlet to, uh, you know, support them, um, and make sure that we can intervene before, you know, things uh, things explode. Um, I think the the positives that are there help. Like the fact that evenings are getting brighter helps. Uh, encourage people to get out. Like we've done a few things. Um, we try to be a bit creative. So one of the things we did was had our staff um, get out and walk the length of Ireland, uh, the UAE and the Netherlands together. So we, we we all walked, took pictures, shared photos, did those right tasks. So it was about two and a half thousand kilometers between us and that just gets a bit of a buzz going. We made a cookbook. We got people to submit ideas and um, recipes and we actually printed up a professional cookbook and sent it out to people. So the next challenge is to do a cook-in. We'll probably poison ourselves trying to eat some of those creations um and we had a wine tasting event you know so which went down very well and the next morning felt very like it had been a in-person event so you got to find ways to to reach out to people i think and create. A, i've heard of people doing ukulele lessons and painting classes and all kinds of things so things i wouldn't have dreamed of before we're really trying to find uh, new ideas now to do yes.
0: uh, do you mind me jumping in there because yeah, I, I think that cookbook was a lovely idea particularly like. You know, you can do all these sort of virtual events, and you can have people doing them separately. But something like that, where everyone's included, and they're all being creative, and they're they're piling in their ideas, and that the output is a single, you know, book, digital book, whatever it is, you know, where everyone's had a contribution to that. I think that's such a, a lovely way to to have the um, the, the culture you know
3: it was great and at Christmas we sent everybody a hamper and we put the cookbook into the hamper too so uh, they could do that so uh, having said uh, that one of the recipes was for popcorn and maltesers in a microwave so I I can't (laughs) I can't say how uh
1: (laughs) (laughs) fireworks the um I've seen companies now it's great they've done um cook-offs so basically like pick four teams from you know tr- four families from a not from a, from an organization and they all record it or it's live through zoom and they do this sort of cook off and prepare it and then you know there's someone they're judging each other as well and it's a bit of a laugh it's on a friday all cooking the family involved and and the rest the rest of the 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 company is watching these four families <laughs> you know yeah. make make their dishes so it's yeah it's worked out quite well lads I, ju- I just want to jump into brexit at the moment um brexit w- we all have our opinions um we've noticed that um there is a lot of companies who are trying to find warehouses over here so warehouse now is it, all companies are on the chase for bigger warehouses in ireland at the moment especially because of brexit and because of COVID. the ships down out of the ross layer have multiplied going to different destinations as well so it's going to take six, seven months for us to figure this out. And there is a supply problem with certain products within our stores and in our shops because of this. But what, what's your own feeling on how Brexit is moving for Ireland and how it will develop in the next couple of months as well? Ben. Uh, can,
0: can we not talk about breakfast instead? I've got much of an <laughs> opinion on that.
1: All opinion, opinions are welcome. All are welcome.
0: <laughs> Um, it, I guess my vantage point is somewhat jaded in that you know I, I deal with digital, I deal with digital products, so um, and the infrastructure surrounding that. So you know the logistics side of it, I can see um, I can see what tensions are, are starting to, to happen, and I can see where things are starting to break down. Even again, you know, in, in the news recently. Um, so you know, it's it's an island approach. How are we gonna how are we gonna solve that one? It makes you wonder, like with the with the change with what we were talking about earlier, with the physical buildings and leases being expired, and there being more opportunities um, for storage in the cities. You know, will that start to have a compound effect? Will that start to change things as well? Will that start to alleviate things somewhat?
3: Um, I, I guess I, I'm I'd be no expert uh, in there either, but I suppose I, I have a little bit of insight in that. Um, Prior to Brexit, uh, our intent was to set up in the UK. And then when the Brexit referendum happened, we decided to wait for six months until everything was clear. <laughs> in our innocence, we thought six months was all it would take. And here we are nearly five years later, and there's still so much uncertainty. So um, we decided to to pursue other uh, locations. So we've set up now in uh, the Netherlands, uh, team in UAE, and just before Christmas, we opened an operation in Malaysia, and I think for us, that is the the flip side of the coin to, to your question, Joe. So organizations now, whether it's because of Brexit or because of COVID, they they need to have a footprint in other locations. So in my case, you know, we've got some new clients in uh, Asia. You know, the the biggest ever free trade agreement in history was signed in Asia there back in November. So that's opportunity for us. Previously, I could just jump on a long haul flight and get over to Kuala Lumpur and go meet people. Now I can't. So while we do a lot of it remotely, I also wanted to have some boots on the ground over there and have an office Mm. and have staff so we can engage with clients. So I think you'll see the same thing. And and it's a version of that is why there's a, a huge increase in demand now for warehousing. Because for logistics, people need to build up that, um, I guess, that capacity that they can have a product or materials on premise here within Ireland and use that to serve their demand. So it's just the flip side of of the changes
2: that we've seen come and happen. So as as we come to an end, guys, in a very quick sentence for, for both of you, what would you both be most optimistic about going forward and what would you be most concerned about? Um, in relation to business dynamics that you know, you know uh-huh. office layout any anything ben what are you most optimistic about and what are you most concerned
0: about uh, i think they're probably both sit in the same area i'm optimistic about um companies embracing finally embracing you know opening the door to um true digital transformation i think that's been a long time coming in reality um what i'm cautious about is the casualties as a result of that, the ones that really can't pivot quick enough and the ones that need the help and probably haven't got a- enough support. So you know, those would be my two points. And Pat?
3: So in terms of, of optimism, um, I would think digital transformation. It's uh, There are two words that we've heard a lot of and we've heard a lot of talk about, but I think COVID uh, has just made it happen. So whereas in the past we might have a long-term plan to move from physically doing something to clicking our way to it, now it's happened. And we all see whether it's in our entertainment at home or how we do our shopping or how we live our lives, we have transformed, companies have transformed, there's no going back. And there's huge opportunity for that to be more efficient and to be better and to enrich all our lives. In terms of the the thing I'm worried about, it's, it's I guess, socially, it's our solidarity. Um, I think through the initial phase last year, people were very, all of it together, um, and as things go on, as people start to get more frustrated, there's a risk that that solidarity will will dissipate. And I think we really need to hang in there together for for this last stretch. Uh, hopefully, as the vaccines roll out, um, and we see a huge improvement in people's mobility and and getting things back to to the new normal, which will be a better normal than it was before. So I would just encourage people to try to to stay on top of those frustrations. Uh, people are doing their best all around us and we have to try to kind of think the best and
1: expect the best of the people we work with rather than uh, let that solidarity crumble. Okay. As you yeah. say, you know, you don't know what's going on in that person's life. You could be speaking to that person on Zoom or on the phone within your own organisation and everything is grand. But we have to realise that there's there could be something in the background that, you know, there's trouble in the house or issues with mortgage payments or whatever that may be. And we have to, you know, we only really get to know 25% of people. We don't really know the other 75% that's going on in their lives. And I think if people are mindful of that and compassion and understanding it, it, you're right, Pat, I think it will be okay. I think it will be okay. for. Mm. Well said. Thank you, folks. Thanks, guys, for uh, coming on the show. Um, There's one thing as well. I know people have been saying to me, oh, with with Brexit, just jumping quickly on that, about foods, food shortages and I said well you know Ireland produces enough food for 25 million people you know we, we, we'll be all right we We won't go hungry that's that's the main thing on it but listen Pat uh, Ben uh, if people want to reach out to you give us just the website addresses there that if someone wants to uh, connect with yourselves
3: sure uh, so Aspira's website is aspira.ie so a-s-p-i-r-a dot i-e And on there, you can find out all about us and reach out, drop us a line. And for people interested in the project management world and who might be interested in coming along virtually to the uh, PMI's conference next week, if they just do a search for PMI conference, it will pop up and they'll be able to register there and join in and meet up and interact with people.
0: Uh, uh, Yeah, for ourselves, so it's abodo.com, A-B-O-D-O-O.com. Um, And then uh, our recent product for virtual real estate is yonderdesk.com. So you can find us on both those websites, lots of information on there and uh, all the contact info.
1: We're going to say goodbye to our guests and myself and Simon will be right back.
0: Sponsored by the Dunleary Rattown Local Enterprise Office. You're listening to Business Eye on Dublin South FM.
1: Yes, folks, and welcome back to Business Eye. Simon,
0: I think, you know,
1: another two great guests, another two great guests. And, you know, it's a topic that... You know, when you sort of look at it, you 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 wonder is it of interest? But it is. There's there's a lot of information there yeah. and two knowledgeable guys as well.
2: Um yeah, no, I agree. And and they both picked on you know digitization as the big opportunity, but they both had different concerns. one was, you know, around um you know, Pat was talking about the breakdown in society. And, you know, we need to keep it together. We all need to keep it together. Um, and then we were talking about, you know, the, the, the knock-on effect to local communities, you know, the, the pubs and the cafes and the restaurants servicing the office workers. And, um, and then we just touched upon at the very end, the importance of mindfulness, you know, minding ourselves. And that's something you and I, Joe, know a lot about, you know, we've done work in that space. And, you know i I, i'm doing okay because i've done a lot of work in that space but i'm very mindful and i don't mean to use a pun that a lot of people haven't and they just need support and inspiration you know so yeah i I think we all have a responsibility to help each other you know more than ever
1: for me being able to accept everything and you know those things that are outside and what's internal as well and i think what's happening in the world triggers and it's It's even if you try to ignore all what was going on around the world or living in your own little bubble... The way it's getting it's getting crazier and crazier, and that's yeah. that's really getting into. I think it's getting into every person in, yeah. in all all around the world and causing those triggers. And those it's, it's going to go. Oh my god, this is really affecting me now because something yeah. that has happened or a decision that has been made or whatever. So yeah. you have to sort of when those things you are being triggered with what's going on in the world out there. I think you have to sort of sit back, take a deep breath, and say, look, it'll all work out it will all work out in the end and just have that yeah. have that yeah. trust have that
2: trust in it um, yeah it's true it's true and everything everything does work out in the end i mean like everything is as it is in the end you know you yeah. just have to have that faith it doesn't mean surrender and lie on your back and put your belly no. in the air and expect no. the world to tickle it but there's certain there's a limit to what you can control you know and so you might as well enjoy what you have even if it's just i was listening to on the radio this week a woman in her 90s from dublin and she was talking about you know these youngsters missing the foreign holidays and the technology and meeting in nightclubs you know just have a just go to the supermarket and buy some nice food and cook it at home make do yeah. you know
1: yeah it, well, i couldn't cook when i was in my 20s i couldn't no. food poisoning <laughs> yeah the, the mood is changing and i've seen there's more and more people are getting disgruntled yeah. um, with the decisions that are being made some people have said oh, up to now, things were grand. They were accepting everything. And the straw that breaks the camel's back and more, more and more people are, I have to say it, that are getting disgruntled with the decisions that the government are making. And a lot of people, yeah. more now than before, are saying they've had enough. They've had
2: enough on it. So yeah, watch I, yeah that no I, no, I agree. I mean, I'm not political, but, you know, I, I'm seeing it more and more. And I'm seeing, you know... Now, I'm seeing that there's kind of like a, a supernatural national jealousy. You know, I'm just seeing so much noise on Twitter about how slow Ireland is. And I, I don't know, there's just so much noise and negativity around. We just need to maybe switch off social media for a day well, <laughs> like, I've, and I've, just be. Well,
1: you know? I've switched off, I've removed all the apps from my phone. So I don't have LinkedIn on my phone anymore, I don't have Facebook. Um, Instagram, none of them. I got rid of them all. And if I'm only looking Mm. when I'm in my workspace, I'm having a quick look. The rest of the time, I'm disengaged from it because there's stuff in there that's going to trigger people and there's stuff in there that's going to get people upset. And I found by just switching it off. um, There's one thing I'd love people to do is a 10 day challenge. And this is, I've asked a couple of people to do it and they've come back to me and went, amazing. It's the best thing I did is switch off from all tv all media everything right for 10 days and then see do a mood check when you do it and then do a mood check at the end people said they were saying Mm. to me they they were hungry there was a craving to find out but after a couple of days they kind of went okay i can do this this is only a 10-day challenge they said the mindset Mm. improved after 10 days
2: yeah i did that in australia when i lived there it was longer than 10 days and it's amazing that you're emotional observations and emotions are heightened i I could just see the birds clip more clearly you know and and the vegetables and the bushes it sounds ridiculous but you just slow down and you see what's around you that's
1: what tv and you know mainstream and all the bad stuff it's it's hyper focus hyper focus it is yeah yeah simon as always it's a pleasure Um, Yeah, it is indeed and to all our audience out there Uh, again have a wonderful week let's say switch off your tv and your radio if you're getting nagged out yeah um go out and see spring because the daffodils are up and the birds are tweeting and everything it's spring in nature be in nature be in nature on it yeah till next week from myself and simon god bless and take care